0: Thank you for joining us. As Christians, we are called to live a holy life in all that we think, say, and do. Why? Because God is holy, and as His children, we are holy through Him. The Bible repeatedly commands us to worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. And how can we do that? By humbling ourselves, praying, seeking God's face, and turning from our wicked ways. Then God will hear from heaven and forgive our sins and bring healing to a lost world. Listen in with Bible, pen and paper handy as you will want to take notes as Pastor Rander ministers to us today.
1: We must be determined not to allow ourselves to regress to our previous sinful lifestyle, to our previous cravings and desiring to do those things which are forbidden by God. When you do something God uh, uh, tells you not to do, that's outright rebellion against Almighty God. We must refuse to allow the world to shape or fashion us into its mold. The world wants to shape you. It wants to fashion your children. The world has a satanic agenda for your children. So does Satan. And, and we, want the, we want the Lord to shape our children. We want the Lord to shape our marriage. We want the Lord to shape and mold Uh, our lives for his honor and glory. We cannot live holy while yielding ourselves to the prevailing standards of this degenerating culture. Do not allow yourself uh, to to be duped uh, by this culture. We cannot live holy while yielding ourselves to the prevailing standards of this degenerating culture that's going down, down, down. Partial obedience is defiance and rebellion against God. The Lord requires total, unconditional obedience to his word from his children. Anything less than total obedience is disobedience. He don't want, well, I kind of obey God. There's no such thing as kind of obeying God. You either obey him or you rebel against him. Amen. You know, you you obey God and then you leave the consequences to him. God blesses holiness. God blesses a life that is obedient to him. Number three, another prerequisite for holiness is this. When we see our sins in light of God's holiness, we see our sins as God sees them. Now, that's big. When we see our sins in light of God's holiness, we see our sins as God sees them. This means we don't call our sins a mistake. We don't call our sins, oh, that's my weakness. Or we, or we don't minimize or rationalize our sins by saying, well, that's just the way I am. That's insufficient. That's not good enough. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm not there yet. Well, you better get there because you can die tonight. Some of y'all 50 years still saying, I, I'm still trying to get there. When are you going to arrive and show up for Jesus? Stop rationalizing your sins. Stop calling them weakness. You, it's sin. Say sin. Sin. When the last time you looked up to God in prayer and said, Lord, I sin with my tongue. I've sinned with my eyes. I've sinned with my hearing. I've sinned with my attitude. I've sinned where I've gone. I've sin the way I've hurt people. I've sinned against you. I have sinned, oh God. I plead the blood of Jesus over the sin. I cry out that you would wash my iniquities. Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 5 says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high, and lifted up. And the train of his robe filled the temple, and above it stood seraphim. Each one had six wings. With two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one cried to another and said, Ho! Is the Lord of hosts? The whole earth is full of his glory, and the post of the door was shaken by the voice of him who cried out, and the whole house was filled with smoke. Verse five. And I said, Isaiah said, "Woe, woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips. He lips, he had a dirty mouth." He's, you know, he didn't say, uh, I, I have sins. He named it sin. I got dirty lips. My mouth is nasty. And I dwell amidst a people of a people of unclean lips. My eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. And let me tell you something. Once Isaiah saw God, he was never the same. And I'm going to tell you something, once you have a personal encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ, the King of glory, you will never be the same. Stop saying you're a Christian and you're acting worse now than ever before. I seriously doubt the validity of your salvation. You think you say it's a sad faith, a professed faith. But when you've really been born again, when you've really experienced God in a personal, contrite way, listen, your life is not the same. And even if you try to sneak and do what you used to do, you so struck with conviction and guilt and remorse, you can't sleep, you are absolutely miserable, that's a sign that you know the Lord. When you can sin and go eat collard greens and red beans and rice and go to sleep and doesn't bother you, you need to, you need to, you need to get saved because sin ought to bother you. Do you hear what I said? Sin ought to bother you. I wonder about the person who can sin and not be bothered. In the presence of God Isaiah mourned over his sin. In the presence of God, Isaiah grieved over his sin and cried out in utter desperation over his sins. And not only his sin, but the sins of his people because his eyes had seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Not only do you want to get out of sin, you want to see your children get out of sin, your your family get out of sin. You, you There are people you know who are sinners and living all kind of, uh, 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 doing all kind of sinful deeds in your family, in the workplace, whatever, you praying that they get out of sin. You, you're not, you don't want to be comfortably going to heaven while somebody, while droves are going to hell. I'm satisfied. I'm, I can't wait till I get to heaven and everybody going to hell around you. Listen, you ought to be mourning over the sins of your brothers and sisters in Christ, over your family members, over your coworkers. You 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 ought to have, you ought to be burning for your children's sins, your grandchildren's sins and their state and their condition. That's right. Instead of talking about folk, instead of gossiping about folk and saying what they should and should not be doing and all of this, first of all, get the log out of your eye, start walking right with God, and start interceding for those who are living in sin. In the presence of God, Isaiah mourned, Isaiah grieved, and Isaiah cried out in utter, utter, desperation over his sins and the sins of his people because his eyes had seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Verse five. Woe is me, says verse five. I am undone. In other words, it's over. I'm going to die. I, I, I saw God. I'm going to die. Because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Isaiah's heart was filled with anguish. It was filled with grief over his own sinfulness because of being in the presence of Almighty God. Beloved, you are ever, listen, are you ever in the presence of God long enough to fall under conviction and grieve over your own sins. Did you hear that? Are you ever in the presence
0: of God long enough? Thank you for joining us today. As God's children, we have an obligation to show the world a true representation of Christ in us. We are called to live a life of holiness in all things for we are not conformed to this world. We have been transformed through Christ Jesus by the renewing of our minds. We cannot, we must not, keep our redemption to ourselves. We must fulfill our resolve to live holy in a lost world. Listen with Bible, pen, and paper handy as Pastor Rand reminds us of God's command to boldly live in holiness and watch God work.
1: Are you ever in the presence of God long enough to fall under conviction and grieve over your own sins. I'm not talking about a little quick 60 second prayer. We have so much sin in us that we need to set in the presence of God. We need to stretch out in the presence of God. We need to just uh, uh, linger in his presence. If you desire to be greatly used by God, you must first be broken by him. You can't use a horse that is unbroken, he'll buck you off and break your neck. That's right, that horse has to be tamed, and then you can ride him and he will be productive. And you know why some of y'all are not fruitful? You haven't been tamed. Some of you acting like, wild, unbroken Christians. You bucking. You buck against the church. You buck against the word of God. You, you you buck, you just buck, you just buck, just buck, just buck. You just dump anybody that disagree with you. I, you won't listen to nobody, you won't talk, talk about it, got an attitude just bucking all over the place. And sometimes God, God God has to just intervene, and then he has to arrest you. And God has a multiplicity of ways of arresting people. And when God tames you, you've been tamed. I tell you, when God saved you, He, he washed your mouth. I just say I had a dirty mouth. But He's not the only one with a dirty mouth. Anytime you slander, that's, that's a dirty mouth. Dirty lips. That's right. You cussing, that's dirty lips. You saying that's right, dirty lips. That's right. You slander, dirty. Dirty. Some of you are doing dirty things with your fingers. Your finger's dirty when you're texting dirt. That's right. Some of you are not doing it with your mouth. You're doing it with your fingers. And you do it fast. You, you, you do your dirt real fast. <laughs> you haven't been broken. Let me tell you something, by the way. Thank you, Holy Ghost. When you have been broken by God, you don't have to walk around and tell everybody, well, I'm broken. You don't tell folk you broken. Folk will know and see your humility. They will see your contrition. They will see your brokenness, you know? And, and, and sometimes you can start off being broken and have contrition, and then God begins to elevate you in positions in the church, a position in the society, a position give you this and that, and all of a sudden, the broken person, the contrite person can all, all of a sudden become proud all over again because people are looking up to you and they, they're coming to you and you got all the answers and, you, you, and all that kind of stuff. Let me tell you something, you can't be, you can't be God and everybody's live. Why is the person that know how to send folk to Jesus, amen? So you got, you got to be careful about this. You can start out contrite and humble and end up still proud. People know how to puff you up. People know how to put you out there. Don't let anybody uh, puff you up and make you think you higher than you ought to be. Don't, don't think too highly of yourself. Why well, don't y'all say amen? Oh, you'll, be, you'll, you'll have contrition when you grieve over your sins. When was the last time you cried out in utter desperation, Over your own sins. Uh, Number four, four, we cannot live a life of holiness unless we have been delivered from sin. We cannot live a life of holiness unless we've been delivered from sins. Uh, Colossians chapter 3, 13 through 14 says, He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Only those who have been delivered by the Lord from the dominion and authority and power of Satan and transferred into the kingdom of Christ can live holy. If you desire to be delivered from the power and penalty of sin, you must understand you must understand what sin really is. Say sin. When last time you said sin? When last time you saw something on television and said, "Now that's sinful." That's sinful. When is the last time you heard lyrics on a song and say, you know what? I hear sinfulness in this song. Now, some of you all have been listening and you've gotten so immersed in the media and into videos and to the music and to what's on television until you've lost your sensitivity to sin. Why is it that sin doesn't bother you the way it used to? Have you been backsliding in your spirituality? Do you even understand what sin is now? You've been a Christian so long till you, to, to, until you've forgotten what the definition of sin really is. Well, let me remind you. What is sin? Underline that right that. What is sin? Every child, right? What is sin? So you know what it is. What is sin? Sin is a violation of the word of God. Anytime God's word says something and you do something contrary to the word, you sin against God himself. That's right. If I'm preaching the word and I'm coming from the scripture and what I'm saying is lining up with the scripture and then you go on out here and do it your way. You are living in rebellion and you're going to shipwreck your life and God's going to chase you for it. And you know what? You know why I preach so hard? And I come from the book. I don't ever get up here without my book because I want you to see. I'll say verse 5. i say verse 15. Turn to this chapter turn to this verse. You say, why so many scriptures? Because I don't want you to think it's Draper talking. It, it is not Draper. It is the word of God. The power is not in me. It's in the word. The authority is in the word. Salvation is inherently in the word. And by the way, When I preach to you and I preach the word like God has told me to do, then your blood is not on my hand. I'm not going to get your whipping. Now, if God told me to preach and I'm lackadaisical in my responsibility, then he's going to chase me and I'm responsible for your spiritual illiteracy. But when I take this book and you see it on the PowerPoint, and you look at me, and I'm we going line from line and word for word, and you see it, and you still gonna act the way you go act, your attitude's gonna stay the same. You nothing's gonna change about you. You get cocky, you get prideful, you get beside yourself. All right, you go on out there with your bad self. All right. God said, look at him. Oh, God don't even have to move a finger, God can just look. And mess your life up from, the day, from this point all the way to your death. God will take your joy. That's right. God will put you in a blessed subtraction. The Lord gives and he takes away. God knows how to bring you down. Don't you think he's not in the bringing down business? He'll bring you down. That wife can't do nothing with you. You you crazy in the house, husband. God knows how to bring you down. Wife, you you talking all out of your head and talking too much and saying whatever comes to your mind. You're not kind. You're mean to your husband. He'll bring you down and make you dependent on the very one you've been putting down. What is sin? Sin is a violation of the word of God. It is to neglect the law of God. This book is the book of the law, the word of God. First John 5, 17a says, all unrighteousness is sin. Anything that is unrighteousness, anything that is unrighteous is sin. All unrighteousness is sin. First John 3, 4 also says, uh, sin is lawlessness breaking the law of God. You break the laws of man, you get penalized. You get tickets when you go 70 miles an hour in a 50-mile zone. He don't just say, oh, well, welcome to San Antonio. He <laughs> said, but I didn't see the sign. Well, I'm going to help you remember. <laughs> and he he's right. Now, maybe this will help you see a little bit better now. You'll never forget that sign again. Of uh, that red light over there. Well, it was, it just, they just put it out there. You saw it blinking six weeks ago. Sin is lawlessness, and we are in a lawless society. Folk are wanting to do everything that is right in their own eyes. God made us man. You got p- men who want to be women, women want to be men. Uh, they got neutral gender. This. You got the legalization of marriage. He said, one man, one woman. Some folk want three wives and four husbands. And listen, you're doing good when you can handle one. <laughs> what you want with two two wives, man? You're not doing all you're supposed to be doing with the one you got. Huh? I mean, just, just show up and be a man and a husband to the one you have. You don't have time for a sideline cuckabiner. Won't y'all say amen? amen? Breaking the law of God, and some of y'all y'all not going out there being sugar daddies, but your sugar daddies in your mind. And the Bible says, whatever you think in your heart, so you you already that yes. you already that. you commit adultery in your in your mind. I wish Pastor Draper's uh, uh, cut this thing short. You've already sinned. <laughs> you already sin. <laughs> Listen, there's too much sin in folk for me to have little sermonettes. That's right, that's right. You, 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 a football game, unless it's weather-related or something, go four quarters, and don't let it be playoff. They play till the tongue fall out, and then they play, and then they play, and then they play. You don't know who wins. You say, come on, somebody lose. Or somebody win, and you stay right there. You know, it's dangerous, unless it's somebody beyond your control, to leave here on a regular basis before the benediction. That's right. You, sort of hurt. You, you can't wait to get out of here. Now, I'm not saying those, I know some of you got to catch planes, and others have to go to work. I'm not talking about you who have to go back out of town. I'm not talking about you. But some of y'all don't have somewhere to go every time every time. You can't shake one hand. the person next to you could be suicidal. Could be in depression. You're so quick to get out of here. Lawlessness. You don't love your brother the way you should love him. Sin. What is sin? Sin is to miss the mark of God's righteous standard. It is to miss the mark of God's righteous standard. All of us have missed the mark. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Now, I've told you what sin is. You know what it is now. or uh, Some of you knew you just forgot or needed to be reminded. Now, I'm going to give you about three of these, and then I'm going to stop, because that's about all you can handle. Okay? I'm going to give you about three of these, unless the Lord just pressed me on, but I'm going to try to stop on these three. Uh, what does, why does God hate sin? Why does God hate sin? You know, God hates sin. He don't play with sin. He hates it. Say hey, He hates sin. Why does God hate sin? And I'll continue this the next time. A, God hates sin because he is holy and desires his children to live holy as we represent Christ on earth. God hates sin because he is holy and desires his children uh, to live holy as we represent him on earth. First Peter chapter one, verse 15 and 16, our text, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, because it is written, be holy for I am holy. Beloved, people sin because they love it. That's why they sin. If sin hurt, they wouldn't be doing it. That's why they do it. They love it. That's why they keep going back to certain places. That's why they keep going back to that woman they should have let go. They, that's why they keep messing with that man. That's why they keep looking at certain stuff they shouldn't be looking at in porn. They love it. They love it, love it, love it. They sin because they love it. If they didn't, listen, if sin was hurting them, they'd leave it alone. They love it. Beloved people, People sin because they love it. Until you possess a deep hatred for sin, you cannot live a life, a holy life that is pleasing to God. I say it again. Until you possess a deep hatred of sin, you cannot live a holy life that is pleasing for God. B sin will entangle us. Sin will what? Entangle us. Second Peter chapter 2, verses 20 through 21. For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and overcome. The latter end is worse for them than the beginning. For it would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than having known it to turn from the holy commandments delivered
0: to them. Sin is a violation of the Word of God. When we gave our lives to Christ, we confessed and repented of our sins. We must remember how we felt that day when God freed us from that bondage. We became new in Christ Jesus. We must strive toward holiness every second of every day through fasting and prayer, studying and meditating on God's Word. Satan will continue to attack, but we have the victory in Christ Jesus. If you enjoy this kind of biblical teaching, or would like to hear this message in its entirety, please visit us at Maranatha Bible Church, located in Converse, Texas.